I'm Hamish Bowman, a part of Ray White New Farm and director of Ray White Projects. Welcome to The Collegiate, an ongoing series of casual but in-depth conversations with my colleagues. These are some really interesting people I've met throughout my career at Ray White and New Farm, and we're going to talk to them and get a better insight as to the growth of their careers and what happens behind the closed doors. In our last episode, we had Ben Percival and Nick Mogridge, two great guys, mid-journey, kicking some big goals. This week, Christine Rudolph, who was my first guest at the beginning of the Collegiate series, back. This time, she's asking me the tough questions behind the microphone, a bit apprehensive, but anyway, let's get into it. Christine Rudolph and welcome to this month's edition of The Collegiate where we're turning the tables on our host Hamish Bowman and Hamish was kind enough to invite me to premiere his wonderful series on the proviso that when we finished it was Hamish's turn to be in the hot seat. So today we hear all about the amazing story of Hamish Bowman. Ooh. Hamish, thank you I for joining I can feel that me. hot seat. <laughs> Thanks, Christine. And you did say that, and I was I've thought about it the whole way through the series. I thought there's going to be a time when the tables are turned, the questions are coming my way. But let's have a crack. Hey, Michelle, you're uh, an incredibly inspirational uh, success story. Um, you've had a quite an interesting journey into real estate. Um, I guess real estate has actually been a career that you chose later in life. Can you tell us a little bit about your calling into real estate? Yeah, sure, sure. Um, look, I think we're going back a step. Um, I, I grew up in a family that was, they were car dealers. So my, my grandfather was a car dealer, my dad was. So um, that was quite a successful business. And they always had property. We always had a beach house, they had investment units, they are buying small townhouses. So I'd often as a child go out driving with dad and we'd have a look at properties on the weekends and guest prices and, and that type of thing. So I was enjoyed it and we were in a we were in a um, a nice suburb, which is probably one of our patches, Ascot, I grew up, so um, went to the Ascot State School and, and got to get to know the neighbourhood. So it was fun there, it was lovely property of course. So it was always um, we were guessing what things would sell for even back when I was a teenager. So just felt comfortable around property and, and, and enjoyed it. You know, like that was when I wasn't playing cricket and playing rugby and that sort of thing. So, um, so what happened was I've, I finished school and um, my parents were nice enough to let me go to repeat school because I only played sport in senior. I, I, wanted to be, I wanted to be in the, the best rugby team and the best cricket team, which I was lucky enough to be, and be a prefect. That's all I wanted to do at school. So um, my parents gave me a licence, which meant I probably didn't have a lot of time to... To study. So my parents were nice enough to allow me to join my senior school for all the things I wanted to do, but I had to go and repeat senior to get the grades. And the grades I got were, and I really wanted to get to Queensland University in St Lucia. It was another driver because all my friends were there. So I thought my grades would only allow me to get an arts degree, or it turns out when I looked at the, the courses, basically a town plan degree, which was only just a, back then it was a T score, I think a T score of 910. So I thought, okay, I'll tick that box. And I didn't really know a lot about it, other than I thought there must have been a little bit of property associated with it. So four-year course um, with an honours honors, um, semester, uh, sorry, uh, thesis at the end. Um, so I came out of there with flying marks and it got me to town planning. Obviously town planning was very property related. Very quickly saw that 
you know, you're putting applications in for developers. And you, you know, it's actually quite an interesting job. You're seeing them create value and, and, and you know, building things and selling things off and that type of thing. So to cut a long story short, I met a, I met a, um, a client, a town planning client that said, Hamish, I can see what you're doing. Could you do that for me personally? I'll fund it. Let's go and, let's go and um, buy, I've got, I own a couple of blocks of flats, brick flats. Um, can you get them strata title for me? Um, renovate them, sell them off. I'll put all the money, you do all the hard work and we'll split it 50-50. And I was, you know, I was 23, 24. And I thought, this sounds like a good deal. You know, I was that young. And, um, and so we did. So there's a couple of properties. I remember um, in, uh, both in Cooparoo, which is the heartland for old six packs. And uh, I remember vividly as a four pack in Cooparoo, we were launching in Easter. And I was just so nervous, just the marketing. I think it was professionals at Cooparoo were marketing it. And, and um, you know, my first sort of real income was off the sale. So I was, I was watching, I was peering up. I remember the, the actual property, I could watch the open homes, and I was watching the agents, and I was, I'd follow the, the, um, the, the buyers back in the car and seeing what they're doing. And back then it was, I don't even think we'd have mobile. It was, it was literally either the big tradesmen's still mobile or whatever, but anyway, it was, it was slower communication, but it was, um, it was um, a really good grounding into, I guess, um, making money, but also learning the agency side of it. So that started early in my career. So what, what worked, what didn't, what you expect as a developer, that type of thing. So if you track back my real estate career, sales career, which has been seven years, um, it probably started back then. Yeah, so, um, yeah. Hey, Mitch, I think, you know, um, we see uh, a lot of uh, young younger people these days wanting to get into a real estate career and um, it can often have um, the illusion of being a career that is um, you know very glamorous with lovely cars and nice suits um, one of the things that I really admire about your story is that yours is a story of resilience mm. Um, and quite often, you know, when we're young and we're starry-eyed, we, we certainly don't know that mm. we have many things ahead of us. Mm. So you have um, the, the great uh, wisdom mm. of having ridden um, the GFC yeah. uh, some, some quite interesting mm. uh, times mm. throughout your career before mm. you actually went into real estate. Mm. So... Um, could you talk to us a little bit about you yeah. know some of the journey mm. that you've been on yeah. that's actually helped you to be yeah. entering real estate um, mm. as as a as a career that you've only been in for I think six or mm. seven years now. Mm. Mm. Well, resilience is something that I think you get when I guess if I look back, I've lost all my money, I've had divorce, you know, I've had a lot of pain, we had a death in the family this year, so you know, as I sit here now. You know, I've, I've, I've weathered a lot of, you know, bad stuff in life. And I'd, sometimes I've got to say that I look at, you know, the younger fraternity and I just look at them and say, look, you know, you've got stuff ahead of you. Like, you know, just slow down a bit, you know, just enjoy what you're doing. Um, you know, not that we wish it upon them, but you've got to understand that not every day is rosy, you know, unfortunately. So, you know, put a little bit of money aside, just slow down a bit. Um, you know, if a lot of a lot of 
I think for my, I took on too much. You know, I thought I was bulletproof. And when you have a little bit of money at a younger age, everyone's sitting out for ideas and they want to, they want to borrow some money. And that's what I did. I spread myself way too thin. So, hey, can you put some money into this? I'll put money into a fashion label in Sydney. You know, I had a, I put some money into a, um, I had a grant from Austrade for um, a, a brand called Aussie Pies. So we put pies into every expatriate bar in France. So we were in 48 different bars and wow. we kicked it off in the 1998 World Cup, which France won. So you can imagine how ballistic. So we had a French guy over there. We, the guy that ran it for us, the three of us, was an Aussie guy who owned the Oz Cafes in Paris. It was just great. But um, got divorced, all that fell over. Um, I also had a, um, uh, a business where we had the sole distribu distribution rights for Ramset building materials from Australia into Vietnam. Yeah, so a uni friend, oh and again, with ballistics. So every three times you fly to, um, to um, Saigon, Ho Chi Minh, and um, we had an office there. And um, again, we had a grant from Australia. It was a very eligible business, and it was flying. Back then, it was early 2000s. They had the eye of the tiger. They were just coming out of communism. You could just see it. They were just the life of these people, and they were building everywhere. So it was, I just remember it was um, my, my, um, my partner married a local Vietnamese. She was a flighty. He was a project manager up there. And he said, look, Hamish, I think we can get this contract. All we've got to do is fly to Croydon in Melbourne, where Ramset's um, head office is, and just say, what we've got, we think we can, we can do this with his skill set up there. He was a project manager for a large, you know, like a lead lease up there style business. So I flew down there, got the contract. So I would handle everything here with them and Gary would run the, uh, with the project, projects up there. So, but my core business, we were still developing. So what happened, I'm jumping around here, there was a point in the property market, and this is where you've got to watch markets and see what's happening, is that you, we were selling six pack renovated units back then for about $120,000 but they're older, but you could buy a new one, say in Wollongong or Nanda, for about 132,000. So the market just fell. We couldn't deliver these any cheaper, but the buyers were going to buy, were buying new ones, in one suburb out, and we just couldn't sell them, you know. So, and I had Ramset, pies, just flying everywhere, I think I was great, and it just collapsed. Your story is very inspirational, Hamish, because we see, you know, many people uh, have setbacks like that, and I mean, they're, they're significant mm. setbacks. You've had a divorce, you've lost everything, um, yet you have such an incredibly positive attitude to life and a very strong attitude to life. What do you think has given you that mm. amazing uh, resilience mm. and ability to be able to bounce back because mm. that is really a core strength in real estate, mm. wouldn't you agree? Definitely, we definitely. have to ride a roller coaster <laughs> yeah. almost on a daily basis. Exactly, for sure. Look, I think, and I'm not exactly sure why, but as you know, I'm quite into my fitness. And my, my mental health pill was a run. When everything was bad, I'd go for a run, clear my head. 
and they turned into marathon running. And so I just ran. So I did 24 marathons over a sort of 10, 15 year period, did four Ironman, and um, that was my pill. So I, You're David I just, Goggins. <laughs> David Goggins. Yeah, the Aussie David Goggins. But um, for that was what, and look, no matter how bad the day was, you always got your running shoes. You could go for a run, clear your head. And I just found, look, I didn't, didn't hit the bottle, didn't drugs, it just hasn't been my thing, but I'd go for a run, which sounded or a swim or a bike ride type of thing, you know, triathlon style. So I just think I, I was lucky enough to find the drug that I could put through my body, which eased me, um, which built up a resilience in, in, a, in a different way. So I'm just lucky I found that through the bad times. And that, look, to this day, as you know, you know I like my fitness. So it's, I still, I've kept that going, not marathon running, different training, but um, which keeps us, um, and you and I, we know each other and we see each other through the colour of our eyes, whether or not we're uh, on point or not, which you have been all year, Christine. Absolutely. <laughs> so well done. <laughs> Thank you, Hamish. So, you know, fast forward uh, to, you know, the past six years, you have really been a, a remarkable success story. So coming into real estate with zero uh, to going to be a hero and now being a director and a business owner. So in such a short space of time, mm. how can anyone go mm. from achieving mm. virtually nothing to having such outstanding success within an international company. Yeah. Well, look, we do see it. We, we do. We have a lot of interviews inside this, this office and we see people who are doing very well, young people writing big big money. For me, you know, I, I built up, a, I guess, a, a library of, you know, of life stories of, of, of um, you know, of experience that I could pull on. I, there's a chapter there of funds management in Sydney and Melbourne, so I got more of a corporate bend um, you know, after in the 2000s, so I was working for a large Japanese international funds manager. So I guess that helped me polish off my skill set. So for me, for me, you know, I could I could sit across the table or the desk or the kitchen table from whoever, and I think I could sort of I could resonate in some like you can. Like we we know whether or not it's a, a bike or a bottle of wine or the book on the table, we can generally get a conversation going and. And sort of get some rapport. So I think the rapport is big. So I think the young people this day and age who are doing really well, look, you know, they're, they're, they're doing what we did, but in a condensed manner. It's taken me a bit long. It took me longer to work out what I think I'm good at. Like I think I'm quite good at real estate sales, you know, for the reasons we're talking about. We're, but we're, we're outgoing, you know, we like talking to people, you know, we can find a common ground. We can use our, our, our bag of, of knowledge to, to get to a point where we need to be with the buyer and the seller. Um, you know, the younger people are just, you know, they're, they're sharper, you know, when I say sharper technology, you know, that type of thing. So um, I think that f for me, I needed to, to package up all my experience and into one, one bag, which now I feel like I've got a quite a, quite a, a good kit bag to take, um, yeah. One of the interesting uh, commonalities in our office is that it is a very fitness-focused office. And um, I know I have heard you compare your real estate career and your process sometimes to the way you approach running. Mm. Can you tell us a little bit about that analogy? 
Well, I often use an analogy around marathon training. You know, for example, the marathon you need to prepare for. You know, perfect perfect preparation prevents piss poor performance is one of our internal, you know, mantras in the office. And you can't go out and run a marathon just off the bat. You've got to prepare. You know, I knew that you couldn't do it six weeks. So basically, did a minimum of twelve weeks. I knew where I had to be a month out from the start of a marathon in terms of preparation. So it's just it's using that. I guess analogy and and a marathon the halfway isn't the technical halfway it's not 21.1 kilometers it's they always say the marathon starts at the 32k mark which is 10k out from the finish so you I, I like using these analogies because it makes me I guess benchmark against work whether it's for the day or the month or your goals for the year that type of thing like for example us we run on a 12 year 12 month cycle with our figures but we know that um, June, whatever you sell in June, doesn't correlate to our figures this year because of sales in July. Yes. So, but where you are in um, December thirty-one, you need to be a month ahead. You don't just double it. So, things like that. You just got to know to benchmark where you need to be. And I use the, the, the marathon to sort of click in where I need to be as a link into my financial goals. That, that's a that's a wonderful analogy. So talk to us a little bit about, you know, um, in the past 12 months, what was the catalyst for you really deciding to take the big leap? I think, you know, you are quite um, fearless in your approach, yet um, also measured based on your past um, experiences. Mm. So what was it that was the catalyst for you to take the big leap and, you know, open your own projects business? Mm, mm. I think um, it took me a while. I was, I'm, I'm convinced that you need to have a point of difference. Why us and why not someone else? Um, it, you know, I was observing all the better operators around town and internationally and nationally. And I think for me, I worked out that I did have the, the um, projects experience um, working in funds management. So what I thought, and I, the model that I saw was selling locally smaller boutique projects the predominantly downsizers coming in to the city they obviously have a house to sell right so i would form a relationship with them buying it an uplifting experience with them buying a lovely property and then i've really had that relationship and i'd say look you know where do you live great you're downsizing and then more often than not it's a beautiful house they're moving with me for 20 25 years and i could that was sort of a a soft pipeline where it wasn't a hard pitch so it was always just they were coming to me so it's working now but it was probably four years of me trying to work out what the sweet spot for my for my my business and it's not something that everyone can replicate because not in that project style of thing but so I could use my skill set from from um, the past in the projects but also I guess it allowed me to pick the eyes out of the the houses that I wanted to sell based on the, the people who are selling their properties coming into, into the area. So currently it's a good model. Beautiful. <laughs> yes, and congratulations. You deserve every success that you've worked so Thanks much for. Um, Hamish, the thing that is really beautiful about you is that as well as being very committed to your business and your clients, um, what is incredibly inspirational about you is your commitment to your family. and. You actually do have quite a large family that keeps you 
permanently young. I do, I do, I do. Um, four children, so um, Eloise is just, she has just um, graduated last week for doing physio at Queensland Union, so she's, a, she's got a job for next year, which is great. She's 25, Charlie's 22, he's got about six months left of an engineering degree at Queensland Uni, so beautiful kids. Um, people say, um, geez, you must have had them young, but I think I was 26 and 27, so not not really, really young, but um, but I've been, um, they've been beautiful, and I've got another round of kids. Um, Alfie's 12 and Harvey's 10, and um, the the oldies are great for youngies, so. So yeah, so um, as you know, we're generally on the sports field somewhere on a Sunday morning on, the da- on my day off. <laughs> I drag myself out of bed and uh, we've got tennis or rugby or something, so it's really good. And uh, look, I've got to say, um, you learn things in life, and I think just with me, um, I just really want to spend as much time with my kids as possible now. You know? so, you it's know, beautiful. I, I do, you learn, and uh, you know, I, I, I want to spend as much time as I can with them. So. And priorities have definitely shifted. And the other thing that I see about you is that you have certainly given them your love of fitness and you make sure you do activities yeah. together as yeah. well. Which is good. So, look, um, yeah, they all, they all love it. So it's, you know, they're, they're, Dad, let's go for a run and pick footy and all that sort of thing. So it's, um, yeah, so it's nice it's in the blood. So you have incredible energy. How do you keep your energy levels up? Well, again, I think I've got to learn myself. I'm a morning person, always have been. If I go to bed at two in the morning, I'm still up at five. I get up basically when the sun gets up. So I, I load my morning, my day is in my morning. Um, I exercise first up and then um, I go hard at it and I generally, I generally die, you know. So um, if we've got open homes and that type of thing at night, sometimes I jump off to the gym at four o'clock, refresh myself. So I'm fresh for the for the for the night's den, um, but um, yeah, I'm I'm definitely I, I like my morning with exercise, get all my priority jobs done out of the morning when I'm fresh, um, and um, I, I would like to say that I have a power nap, but I can't sleep through the day. I try, and I always whinge and say, "Can I please have a sleep?" <laughs> I never get it, and when I get the chance, I can't go down. So um, so hence I I do um, I'm usually out by nine o'clock if I can. The other thing that I really um, admire about you, Hamish, is that you have uh, a constant commitment to learning. Um, I, I know one of your passions is podcasts. Have you got a particular podcast that you're listening to at the moment? Um, I do. Um, it's a lot of it's real estate based. I obviously, listen to Alexander Phillips. I listen to Gary Vee a lot. I listen to Tom Ferry as well. Um, but I have actually um, picked up a book recently. Actually, I've picked up like the five the love languages book from Gary oh, yeah, Chapman, which has been recommended, um, which is a really good book. And no, I, you I think identified your love language. Well, it's funny, you know, you think of your partner and you also think about yourself. And I'm I'm into chapter four, which um, which is um, I think quality time. I'm not quite sure. I've, I've, well, I am. I think I need to be affirmed. Affirmations okay. one. So like I think that, oh my God, <laughs> I think that's where I'm at. Um, but um, I think it's a really good book. Um, I'm recommending to quite a few people. Like it's um, it's um, it's a really good book to get in touch with yourself and and your and your partner.
partners and just understand people better. Yeah, that's very admirable. Yeah. Mm. And um, Hamish as well, I think that, uh, you know, looking forward, what, what is your... What is your main purpose? Do you do you get up every day with a purpose? What is it that really drives you? Mm -hmm. Good question. I think me with my age, um, I'm probably now that I've seem to have got a rhythm in business, that type of thing. You start thinking, I'd like to start investing more in some um, property that provides some passive income. So I've sort of that's probably the next twelve months goal. Get some, obviously with interest rates where they're at, type thing. You can actually get some good quality positively give property, commercial, yes. can be industrial, doesn't have to be residential. Um, and um, yeah, I think my next midterm is to, to lock away a bit of income producing property for the for those rainy fishing days down the track. But I think we're, we're lucky, aren't we? I think we're gonna always be able to sell, transact, even if we take the foot off the pedal down the track, but that's not on the horizon for the moment. So what do you do for your relaxation time? What are your, what are your main passions? Look, um, I have thought about that. When COVID locked us all away, I got out my 15-year-old uh, handmade mate and guitar, which I bought and never used, and I thought, here we go, I'm gonna go and get it restrung, which I did. Uh, and with YouTube, it's so much easier in the old days. The old days you used to have to record music and cheap just put G and that type of thing YouTube just you just google your favorite song and put acoustic version um, simplified and it'll show you how to play it so I started playing the guitar again yeah so I'm not very good at it but I, I enjoy it it's there but a beautiful guitar it's just sat there for a long time so um, guitar I've always loved French as a, as a language um, so beautiful. beautiful language so I picked up um, my um, my French books again. This is all kicked off through COVID, but they're still there. So they're little goals. Just to, I find if you just touch those things, even for can be as short as five minutes a day. It's, it's a it's a it's a it's a touch point, and you just it's like the love language book. Little things you just do. You can do three pages, but you're just touching it each day, and you progress. You know, you progress. I think that's the same with work. You know, sometimes you just put things off, like your superannuation or something. So just got update things there and you just if you do it it's out of your way i think in the past another thing that i used to do i used to put things under the carpet and think my oh, little things so i've learned they don't have you had a catalyst that has been uh you know a book that you've read or something that has had a significant impact on your life that you'd recommend i don't want to bring the tone down but obviously my nephew died this year which was a, um, a big catalyst i think just for life you know it's, um, it's unfortunate terrible um, but I think we all everyone around us has just had a just had a, a realization that you know things aren't all that if we have a, a bad day it's actually not a bad day mm. you know we haven't had a bad day mm. someone else out there has had a much worse day than us so I think that's the context that I'm taking through my days now like we might have a grumpy seller or a grumpy buyer around us Hamish I have made a bit of the world around me and everyone around me. But yes. I think that's just as I always get some context around life in general. So, yeah, so. Um, yeah, so, Hamish, uh, an incredible story, uh, very inspirational. Uh, thank you for this uh, amazing podcast series that you have done for everyone. And we absolutely wish you every success that you very much.